Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. We are now in week three of Good to Great, taking any relationship to the next level. And if you remember in week one, I talked to you about a concept called gratitude, how that the Bible scripture is full of examples where the the Bible calls us to uh, be grateful, to be thankful, um, to have gratitude in our heart. And if you tune in on our uh, Facebook Live on Monday, I taught you a skill that uh, shows you how that you can go from uh, thinking that the world is about to end, the sky is falling, into one of gratitude for the blessings that are happening in your life right now all around you. Then week two, uh, last week I talked to you about the topic of stinking thinking. It's something that we all do and many of us are gifted at. And then on Tuesday night, um, I shared with you a skill called ABCs and how that you can literally, in the heat of the moment, when you catch yourself doing that stinking thinking, change that and understand more why you do the things you do because of what you're thinking. Well, today in week three, I want to talk about the topic of going deep. And in this, um, I'm going to introduce uh, each of you to uh, what makes us who we are. And I want to show you in scripture how like this is the most important thing that you need to get. And um, on Monday, I'm going to teach you how that the very thing that makes you tick, that makes you who you are, is the very thing that ticks you off. And so I hope that you join me tomorrow night for that. Well, let me start off today by uh, sharing with you a a verse out of the book of Matthew where Jesus was talking to his disciples. And this is what he said. He said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And today I want to talk to you about the concept of a soul. You know, every one of us have a soul. The Greek word that is used in scripture for this is psyche. When you think about psychology or when you think about the, the, the word ego, uh, if you go to take your a psychology class in college, uh, that, that's what it's referring to, the soul. Anytime you see this in Bible, whether it's in Hebrew or Greek, it refers to our life. So in a broad sense, it's one's person. But if we were to narrow that down, we would realize that it's our emotions. It's who we are inside. And I think you probably realize that there is a lot about you that you keep inside that you don't share with everybody. Even the people who know you best, there's things about you that they don't probably understand at the level that you do. You know, that's your soul. That's who you are. And we as people are made up of a combination of a body and a soul. The body is the physical piece that we see, that we feel, that hurts, that we touch. And then the soul is, is who we are. Well, the, the soul is what is going to live forever. Now, no matter what you have read in the Bible, no matter how many times you've been to church, I want you to understand this one thing, that your soul is going to live forever. 
And really, the, what Christianity and what Scripture and what the gospel shares with us is that there are two destinations, ultimately. Uh, one is a destination where we spend the rest of eternity with uh, God, our creator, or we spend the rest of eternity separated from God. I'm going to go into that a little bit today of what that looks like. Well, not only do I want to read Matthew 10 to you, but now I want to open up uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to teach you out of uh, one verse in this um, chapter. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, when we see this, the word of God, it's not just referring to uh, this book and, and all of the words of God that we see in it. It's referring to all of the word of God. Think about in John where he told us that he did not capture all the works that Jesus had done in his life in those three years of ministry because all the books couldn't contain what he had done. Well, the word of God is, is no different than that. It is much more than just what we see here and what we have that we're able to read. Think about in Genesis. It says, um, God said, let there be light. That was the word of God, and it was so. Or God said, let the dry land appear, and it was so. And then God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, and it was so. And again and again, just there in the first book of Genesis, we see, and God said, the word of God, and it was so. Well, I want to share with you that here in Hebrews, in Matthew, and in Mark, there are some, the word of God says, and I want you to know that it is so. And it affects you, and it affects me. You know, when I think about Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 12, the second portion of the verse says this. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. You know, it, 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 that's a very graphic picture of a double-edged sword. You know, normally if you had a knife, it has one sharp edge, and you know, that's for our safety for the most part. But it's also because it only has a purpose. It's designed to, to cut. But a sword, a double-edged sword that is designed for battle, it was designed to pierce. It was designed to just point and go right into somebody. Well, God describes his word like that double-edged sword that it pierces. What does it pierce? Well, it pierces soul and spirit. Now, um, we, uh, you, you've probably heard this, uh, body, mind, and soul, or uh, body, soul, and spirit. And the, the Bible tells us, the word of God shares with us that it pierces between that soul and that spirit. See, the soul is what is going to uh, go on for perpetuity, for eternity, and our spirit is something that we're probably more in touch with. It's um, more of our conscious thoughts. And I want to talk about that today and share with you how that it's important for you to understand this and why it's important for us to understand this. A another example that it gives is that it divides even between the joints and marrow. You know, uh, the marrow in the bone is where the blood cells are produced. That's where life happens. And I believe what God is telling us through this verse is that, that he separates even between the, the morrow of our spirit, that, that where our life is happening, where we, be, we becoming a person and the person that we are becoming. And the word of God speaks to us at that level. Not just the words you're hearing, but the thoughts that you are having right now as I'm speaking these words to you. Well, the last part of 
Hebrews 4.12 says this, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God penetrates between your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. You know, I think this is where many times that human phenomena comes into fact. You know, we think about um, things that we're thinking about and uh, it's easy for us to, but yet then there's this deeper level. There's these intentions of the heart. Let me kind of give you a, a diagram of what this looks like, all right? And so um, I, I want you to picture an iceberg and then everything that's on the surface, what you can see, that's who you want to be. That's your thoughts. That's what I was talking about last week, the stinking thinking. You know, those are thoughts that you have. You share those with people. It's easy to go back and forth. But then under the surface, under, there is a lot more to that iceberg. Many times larger, much more impactful. And that's who you are. That's what we see here in Hebrews 4.12, the intentions of the heart. And so today, I want to briefly cover this graphic that uh, I'm showing you right now. And then on uh, tomorrow night, Monday, I want to share with you, I want to go in depth and really help you understand it. I, I said it this way, uh, what makes you tick, ticks you off. And I want to show you where and how that, you know, God has made it so that you have control over that. And you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be a victim to the uh, circumstances or activating events. You don't have to be a victim to your thoughts. And you certainly don't have to be a victim to the consequences that are a result of those two preceding things. Well, if um, I'm talking about who you want to be, here's an easy way to say it. Uh, it's your conscience. It, th this is objective. I mean, you're able to um, rationally uh, make good decisions. It's obvious to you. It's obvious to everybody else what you're thinking about. And it's also easily changed. I mean, when you have uh, thoughts on a matter, um, it, you can change your opinion. Uh, maybe it's your favorite food or maybe it's uh, the, the place that you want to go out to eat or uh, maybe it's um, a, a job or a career that you want to pursue. Those are things that are easy to change. Now, there might be a little effort in going through that change, but it's something that's easy for us to do. Now, this is uh, an example is our traditions. You know, the Bible called it the traditions of men. I started off the, the series where the traditions of men made the word of God of no effect. And Believe it or not, there are traditions that you live out on a daily basis that make the word of God of no effect. But it's something that can easily change. There's also behaviors. Remember this, I've told you, behaviors never lie. You know, what you are doing demonstrates what you're thinking. And then there's thoughts. Um, and our thoughts drive our behavior. So these three are all integrated. This is our external, this is our surface thoughts. Well, let's go down below. Let's look at uh, the internal. Let's look at the, the deep. Let's look at who you are. Well, it's, it's, it's your beliefs. Now, uh, the way that I would describe the difference between thoughts and beliefs are, um, you know, thoughts change, uh, beliefs, not, they're not as easy to change. They can, but it's a little more difficult. Um, when I think about who you are, it's your attitude. Have you ever, someone says, you got an attitude. All right, well, what do they mean by that? Well, they've got something very specific in mind, but ultimately our attitude is a conglomeration of all of the, the circumstances, all of our thinking, all of our beliefs, and you put that all together and you squeeze it a little bit and what comes out is our attitude. 
Um, another word that describes this is our priorities, you know, and you know that there are things that you make time for. I mean, there are, you, you've decided, like my family is gonna come first and you make priorities, even if it costs you at the job, even if it costs you in other areas of your life. Or maybe you've decided, you know what? I am going to do everything I can to go further in my career, even if it costs you your family, even if it costs you friendships, because that's who you are. And we learn that we can make time. Uh, an, another interesting thing about this is that our our deeply held beliefs, who we are, is subjective. See, um, the way that I look at you is different than the way that I hold myself accountable. An easy uh, way I think about this is uh, getting cut off in traffic, all right? When I cut somebody off in traffic, I'm like, oh, hey, I didn't see you. When somebody cuts me off in traffic, it's easy for me to think that, where'd you get your driver's license from? You know, how in the, why in the world are you even able to drive on these roads? We have a different, a subjective standard. Well, these deep uh, who we are beliefs are our convictions, are our core values. These are things that we would die for. Uh, many times they come across as assumptions and judgments. And I know the Bible tells us, judge not, and we stop there. But, but it finishes. There's more to the sentence. Judge not that you be not judged. And the reality is that every one of us are judging every day. We're judging ourselves. We're judging those around us. Uh, we're judging people and friends on Facebook. We're judging people in our church and not in our church. We're judging our church is going to reopen or are they not going to reopen? Where does that come from? It comes from a deeper place. It comes from uh, where our soul is. It comes from who we are. And I want you to understand that, that these, this is unconscious a lot of times where you, you don't even think about this. You don't even realize it's there. It's hard to observe. You don't see that. And it's difficult to change. But I want to point something out to you in that uh, slide. I want to kind of blow it up there. And I want you to think about this. These are unwritten rules that you live by. And remember, I talked about how that, that it's subjective. So these unwritten rules that we live by, we apply them subjectively. Sometimes we give our, we're mad at ourselves, but we give ourselves a pass where someone else violates our unwritten rules that we live by and we hammer them. Have you ever played the game of Monopoly with somebody uh, new for the first time and uh, they had their Monopoly rules? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they, they you start, uh, you roll the dice and you, you move and like, oh, you know, you just lost uh, all of your properties. You're like, why? You know, well, the way we play it, and sometimes it feels like they're making up the rules as you go through the game. Well, it's no different for us when it comes to who we are and those unwritten rules, those core values that we live by. And your family members, some days they, they wonder who you are because you're applying one of these unwritten rules to them and you've never talked about it. You have never discussed it. Coworkers, same thing. You've got these unwritten rules and you're holding them to a standard. They don't even know they're playing a game. They don't even know that there's rules and there's referees makes it hard and challenging. So if we bring all this together, who you want to be is what you, you put out on the external. It's the thoughts that we see in Hebrews chapter four. And in who you are, it's the intentions of your heart. It's who you really are. You can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to any. When, when you're able to look below the surface and, and, and the person that's revealed, um, that's Hebrews 4.12, the intentions of the heart. 
So what do we do with this? Well, I'd like to take you to Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. And, and these are the words of this verse. It says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If he gains the whole world. Now, a lot of times we read that, we're like, I'm never gonna gain the whole world. You think of some billionaire that has everything going. I mean, that's somebody who gained the whole world. But the, real, the reality of this is that what shall it profit you if you get what you want? It's those surface things. And yet you lose your soul, who you are. Oh, that's a, a tough question to answer. It's a tough place to be in. But every one of us have to answer that question. Matter of fact, I want to take us back to that verse that I started off with, and that was Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, and, and where it said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. The second part of that verse says this, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, I think right now about COVID-19 and the breadth of response that we've seen. I mean, from, you know, it's non-existent, there's not a problem to people who haven't left their house in nine weeks and are afraid that, you know, if they touch the wrong surface or look at the wrong person, that they're going to die from this. And that was all based off of some experts' predictions. Now, we know nine weeks later that the experts were wrong, but yet we are still responding based on some even with the dialed back expectations, we're still responding in a, a certain way. I, I came across an article uh, this morning and, and it was written by a Harvard professor. And in it, he was critical of Christians and the view that we have on eternal life and how that that was hampering our reaction as a country to COVID-19. And, and basically, he summed it up this way, saying that because we believe that, you know what, it doesn't matter what happens here, that we can go into eternity with confidence, that we're not taking it serious, and that it's going to hurt other people. Well, let's flip the script. Let's read Matthew 10, 28, the second part of that verse, where it says, rather, don't fear COVID-19 that can kill your body. Fear him who can destroy both your soul and body in hell. Now, I know that's not popular. Most people don't want to hear uh, somebody proclaim and talk about the reality of hell. But I'm here to tell you that the experts told us one thing when it came to COVID-19. And I'm telling you that the expert, the perfect word of God tells us, don't fear what could happen to your body. Fear what can happen to your soul. And what is the, what's the worst thing that can happen to your soul? It's this, that you spend it in eternity, in hell. The Bible tells us that hell is a place where the fire is never quenched. The Bible tells us about hell and, and a place that's a continual torment. Now, now you don't have to take my word for it. The Again, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. If you'll just read the word of God and let it speak to you, 
it will reveal to your soul whether or not you have the confidence of being able to spend eternity in heaven or the reality that one day when you stop breathing, when you separate the soul from the body, one day you'll spend the rest of eternity in a place called hell. Well, one of the things that I have done here as, as part of our church is um, on our website, I've um, put a page on there. It's, if it, I, I encourage you to go there. I've talked about it in every one of these messages. It's tbccentralia.com slash next. Now, in the past few weeks, I've told you about that, and I've encouraged you to go to that. Today, I want to take you there, and I want to walk you through that. And there's multiple different steps that all of us, no matter if you've never been to church, you don't call yourself a Christ follower, all the way up to somebody who has been um, in church for 90 years. All of us, no matter where we're at on that spectrum, we have a next step. But the most important step that we'll ever take is this one, and that is to get in. You see, we believe that God created the world and everything in it, including you. And he wants to begin a personal one-on-one relationship with you. He wants to do that today. If you continue to scroll down on that screen, you'll see that it says that to know God's purpose for your life means that you need to know God. God desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to have a relationship with me. And, And through that relationship, he can reveal and show us his purpose. But here's a reality. Sin has separated us from God. So in order to restore man's relationship with God because of that barrier of sin, here's what he did. He did what we couldn't do. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for me. And what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave is he paid the price for us. And it's because he paid the price that we, you know, there's two ways you can spend eternity in heaven. One is you can live a perfect life. Well, you know what? Um, I don't think I made it to six years old and, and, and I, I, I didn't live a perfect life. Matter of fact, I don't know that I've gone through this past week living a perfect life. Are you any different? Do you realize that, you know what? I have sinned. I have done things that are wrong. Well, it's because of that sin, there's a penalty for it. And Jesus paid that. And he did that so that we can have a relationship with God. But here's the, the catch. It takes action on your part. You've got to do something about this, all right? God and Jesus, they have done everything, and now it's our turn. So what do we do? Well, to accept Jesus into our heart, we have to acknowledge that, number one, we're sinful, that that we are a sinner. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't think that that is something that is that arguable. I think we all realize that we live in a fallen state, that, that we're not perfect, that we make mistakes, even the best of us. Think of the best person that you've encountered in your life and they've fallen short. Now when you you turn around and put that mirror on you and you look and you see the sin and the defects in your life, well, what do you do about that? Well, we need to be willing to repent. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is a gift. There's nothing that you have to do or I have to do to earn this. There's nothing we can do to earn it. So how does it happen? Romans 5.8 tells us to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. The words are this, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now it's our turn. Romans 10, 9 and 10. 
says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And now here's what I want you to understand. A lot of times people will read this verse, they'll see these words and they'll think, you know, that's just too easy. And here's what I want you to understand. The whole reason why I'm talking about this concept of going deep is it is not too easy. It's not that easy. Because it's not that you just say the words that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was the son of God, that he lived a perfect life. You have to believe it in your heart. You have to believe it with your soul. Verse 10, it says, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Your behavior never lies. If we truly believe in our heart, our mouth is going to say the words. There's, there's a passage in the, uh, one of the gospels that says it this way. If you'll deny me before men, I will deny you before the father. And my question is this, where is your soul? I, I, I hope that if you've realized that, you know what, you've never established that relationship with Jesus Christ or you've been trying, but yet you, you've kind of put it off to the side. I wanna lead you in a, a verse, a, a prayer right now. And, and I want you to understand that it's not the words of this prayer. It's not the saying them out loud or saying them quietly to yourself. It's what happens in your heart. And so if you're out there and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, it is simple as this. Follow me in this prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and I want to turn from my sins and I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life as my personal Savior and the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's that simple. Can you, will you, do you believe? See, that's the difference between thinking and what happens in our soul about going deep. Well, we're gonna close now and I'm gonna close in one more prayer. And on the other side of that prayer, we're gonna sing another song of worship. And I hope that you'll hear these words where it talks, you know, what shall I fear? Who should I fear? Should I fear a man? Should I fear COVID-19? Should I fear what's happening to this body? Or should I fear the creator, the one who set the standard, but also the one who made a way? Last couple of weeks, I've been talking about the, these emotions and how that they're synonyms for this. And a lot of times we use the word fear and we use it with a negative connotation when we read it in scripture, really what it's talking about is a reverence, a reverential respect. I hope that you have that same, you know, who should you fear? Not God. He's done so much for you and wants to do so much more. Uh, Let me pray now and then let's go and worship. Lord, we thank you so much that today we we get to realize that, yes, God, we are a body and a soul. And Lord, your word promises that it pierces even between our soul and our spirit. And Lord, I just ask that there are many out there today that hear this, God, and that the Holy Spirit reveals to them, Lord, where they're at and where their soul would spend eternity. God, I ask that you would not let them turn this off, that you would not let them uh, go and do anything else, but that, that their heart would be troubled until they make that relationship right with you. 
And they do that through believing with their heart. God, I pray now that as we go and we worship that uh, you would hear our, our praise and that you would bring us all back together soon. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.